Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 534 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack, and this is our deep dive edition. So thanks for joining us. And uh, I guess there's not a lot of preamble tonight. We're just going to get right into our topic. But before we do that, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves for the on assignment. Once again, for a deep dive, Cheryl, W5MOO. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right. So we're, we're actually like not too late tonight. So this deep dive will... Uh, will be full of information and text written by AI because because we're all getting lazy in our old age or just just because we're getting lazy. Anyway, this is my favorite kind of deep dive because it's the one where I'm not going to talk a lot. I'm going to say some very negative things about the topic for tonight and uh, Bill will give me all the positives that will help to correct my view of our show for the evening and what we are going to discuss tonight is cqr log it's a thing that we have talked about many times on this show but we have never dedicated an episode to it and we're going to do that tonight but since i don't use cqr log and bill actually uses it for his uh authoritative log recorder i guess you would say yeah we're gonna let him uh espouse all of the wonderful points of cqr log and he's going to convince me that i should be using it and (laughs) I can assure you that will not happen. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's let's first start out with the with our AI portion of the uh, uh, podcast, where basically I asked ChatGPT to uh, to summarize uh, CQR log for the intro to this, and I, I told it to focus a little bit on the the oddball things, including the programming language, the UI toolkit. The database. So, uh, so here you go. That you get just a, a few minutes of this. So you can fast forward if you'd like. Uh, but this is CQR log is is an advanced software solution designed for amateur radio operators who are interested in logging their contacts and managing their amateur radio stations. It stands out in the amateur radio community for its comprehensive feature set, efficient logging capabilities, and support for various radio control and communication protocols. And this is licensed under the GPL v2. As for programming language, CQR log is developed using the Free Pascal programming language. Free Pascal is mature, as we all know, because it's ancient, uh, a versatile open source programming language that is compatible with Delphi. It allows for creation of high performance applications across multiple platforms. Uh, the choice of Free Pascal enables CQR log to offer a balance between speed and ease of development, uh, unless you've actually tried editing some of it, uh, uh, making it capable of running efficiently on various operating systems such as Linux, macOS, and Windows. The UI toolkit. Uh, this is the graphical user interface of CQR log is built using Lazarus IDE, which is an open source development environment for free Pascal. Uh, Lazarus uses the LCL or the Lazarus component library, which is very similar to Delphi's VCL, which is the visual component library. The LCL is designed to be cross-platform supporting the development of native applications for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, and even more platforms with the same code base. This approach allows CQR log to maintain a consistent user experience across different operating systems while taking advantage of native performance and integration. That's kind of interesting. Database. This is a, we had a whole topic uh, based on databases and logging for uh, for one of our big chats. Uh, CQR uses utilizes the MySQL 
or MariaDB database system for storing log data, QSL information, and various configurations. MySQL My MariaDB is robust, reliable, and efficient open source relational database management system. It provides CQR log with the capability to handle large volumes of data efficiently, perform complex queries quickly, and ensure data integrity. Uh, the choice of MySQL MariaDB also facilitates advanced features like logbook sharing, remote access, and data backup and recovery. As for features, CQR Log is rich in features that cater to the needs of the amateur radio enthusiasts, because we're all enthusiasts. And some of the features include logbook functionality, that, that's a given, uh, DX cluster support, so it integrates uh, with uh, online DX clusters, uh, QSL management, both uh, for electronic QSL, that's via EQSL, logbook of the world, and several others, and paper QSL card management for confirming contacts. Award tracking helps uh, operators track their progress towards various amateur radio awards and recognitions. Uh, radio control offers support for controlling a wide range of radio models directly from the software. Now that is via uh, rig control, rig control D, uh, and as well, it can use FL rig. Uh, let's see here. Uh, digital mode interfaces can be interfaced with the software for digital modes like uh, RIDI, PSK. So yeah, it uh, integrates pretty well with WSJTX and JTDX, uh, FL Digi, uh, what have you for those particular modes. And let's see, it has advanced search and statistics, provides powerful search tools and generates detailed statistics to analyze your logbook data. Okay, thank you, AI. That was so inspiring. I, I mean, that's all we can say about it. It's such a great logging program. That's the end, bye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, uh, here's where I disagree. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, well, you know, CQR log is uh, is one of the applications that is included within the uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend uh, meta package. So if you happen to be using, well, the LHS uh, install or one of the very many um, distributions that are using the Debian meta package for that, uh, you probably have CQR log actually installed on your distribution. Uh, but if you don't have it, you generally can go to your distro. And in the case of Debian, obviously it's right there. You just apt get install CQR log. Um, you will be, have to be mindful of the database. And I have talked about this on many previous episodes and several YouTube videos about the fact that you really wanted to have MariaDB, although I have seen it run fine with MySQL in some native cases. Uh, you will find out right away as soon as you launch the program the very first time. As for distributions like Fedora, I believe you need RPM Fusion. I don't think that's in the regular distro uh, uh, repos, but you can as soon as you install RPM Fusion, as you should as a Fedora user, um, you will easily find CQR log and everything else that you need to install to make your uh, Fedora distro ham radio ready. And if you're like me, really crazy and running Arch, uh, you just install CQR log through Pac-Man or Pamac or one of the uh, many, many others. <laughs> <laughs> Many other ways you can install packages on a uh, Archbox, uh, Octopi, and, and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, most of those are just interfaces to uh, to Pac-Man. But once you get it install, installed for the first time, and you load it up, and if it uh, it will it will first prompt you and says, "Is this a new installation of CQR log?" So if you've never used it before, it should prompt you for that. You hit the yes button and it'll warn you that this may take some time because it's going to create data structure and everything else for your application. If that works out fine and MySQL or MariaDB didn't, uh, you know, do the, the puke and chuck, uh, you, you will be uh, greeted with a small window that has your, your log and it's normally named, I believe, new log one or new one or something, something stupid like that. I would take this opportunity to go ahead and hit the edit button and rename the log. So it's named, you know, maybe your call sign or something useful to you, uh, just just out of pure cosmetics. And then you'll want to click that button that says, just automatically open the log uh, when you start the application. So that way it automatically goes into the main CQR log interface when you do that. Now, the main CQR log interface is, uh, well, we'll talk about Russ's problems later. <laughs> you can read everything generally. <laughs> it does respond to uh, to dark mode installations automatically. Uh, I'm using dark mode here, so my CQR log is dark. Um, and all the uh, inputs and everything else are white text on a dark gray background, so it's quite attractive for a dark mode interface. Uh, if you're using a normal light interface, it will look whatever your light interface looks like, like with the proper highlighting and whatnot for your interface. Now, 
you could just stop right there and not configure anything, but you want to go in and really update the settings of this thing. So you would go into uh, file and preferences, and this is where uh, this gets pretty deep into all of the things that you can change within the context of the application. Um, there's things within the, the very first tab, which is program. Uh, in here is any kind of weird stuff that you need for your internet connection. Uh, they do have the ability to use a proxy uh, or whatever else. You can also set up your default web browser should you want this to actually open a web browser. Um, you can have it check for newer versions of the program on startup as well as DXCC tables and QSL managers. Uh, so we'll keep track and update all of that stuff. Um, however, they did have one bad release of a DXCC table one uh, one time, which uh, basically killed everybody's uh, ability to start the application. <laughs> so yeah, one time after out of the last, I don't know, I've been using CQR log for probably 15 years. Uh, so the one time, one time it wouldn't start because it broke. <laughs> but all you had to do is rename that uh, that file, which it saves in your CQR log uh, config directory. And it went on its merry way and it was no longer a problem. But it did freak me out <laughs> when it happened because I was like, ah, okay, now it's time to get a new logger. Which, you know, once Russ starts talking, he'll tell you about getting that new logger and not using this. <laughs> uh, the next, uh, next uh, tab is going to be the station. And this is where you're going to put in your call sign, your name, your QTH, all that all that good stuff that you want in there, including mailing address, uh, club memberships, anything that's important to you to have as your in basis of information for your QSL cards. If you want to print labels or something like that, this does have that capability of doing that. Um, so you can fill it out as complete or not as complete as you want. I, I would minimally have your call sign, your name, your QTH and location in there. Definitely going to help you out. Um, the next uh, setup area is your new QSO. So this is how it behaves when you start a new QSO. And this will be where you'll set up some pre-settings, like default values for your RSTs, what you want to be populated in there, like 599 for CW and 59 for uh, single sideband, what frequency you want it to start on, um, as well as a power level you want it to input as the power level for your device. So if you're always QRP, you can just plop five in there and you don't have to worry about logging that every time. It'll be a default value in your actual log. There's many, many options here too on uh, on what to do with satellite information, satellite modes. Uh, do you want to refresh data after you save the QSO? Do you want to enable automatic search up for call signs in HamQTH or QRZ? Um, do you want to ignore HamQTH and QRZ QSL info? Uh, stuff like that. That's where you're going to find all of this for your new QSOs. Visible columns will be your next uh, configuration point. I haven't changed any of these, uh, but you may want to for specific awards and stuff like that. Uh, there are things that you can track in here specifically for, uh, you know, if you're doing county specific stuff and you just want to see that on the log screen, you, you know, it's not, it's not visible by default because not everybody does that, but they have the ability. You can show all of these columns, including like QSL manager, locator, my locator, operator, distance, iota award county power dxcc yeah lots lots and lots of columns including stuff the, for contesting so like contest name and whatnot bands uh, much like uh, wsjtx you can select which bands you want to support out of the box uh, this one has the same kind of thing um and surprisingly i don't have five megahertz checked i gotta check that on mine <clears throat> and uh it has uh, pretty much everything from uh, from the 136 kilohertz all the way up to uh, 76 gigahertz so and you can still plop in stuff you can still log things that you actually don't have here but like these would be your band drop downs for navigating the the tran uh, your uh, your radio control and stuff like that if you want to use the logs radio capabilities like to connect to rig control d if you actually want it to be able to switch frequencies and stuff like that for you you can do that within the context of this and this band selection will allow you to have quick switches for your bands the trx control is the next one and this is where you'll set up your rig control d uh, and it does use rig control d to do almost everything so if you're using fl rig which i was using fl rig for a long time uh, here's where I would tell rig control D to use FL rig. So you get a combination of both of them. So it will actually use a uh, uh, rig control to connect to FL rig. 
or if you have rig control D already running on startup, which you should, if that's what you're using for your rig control, you can just have your rig control connect to the ham lib net rig control and plop in your ports that are important to you. And it does have the ability to run two different radios connected to this. I'm not sure if you can uh, go beyond two different radios. I've only ever had two connected to the log, but it does have the ability to configure two different radios at this point. Uh, the rotator control works exactly the same way. It uses uh, rotator control D, so rot control D. And it also allows the ability to control two different rotators. So setup would be on your own, obviously. Um, modes is the next selection area for setup. And this is where you can predefine some uh, some some filters for each radio, uh, some default filters for the CW. So right now, like by default, if you switch into CW using the log program here, it flips the uh, it flips the filters to 500 hertz on this particular setup. I'm generally using the radio at this point when I do CW, so I'm playing around with the filters all the time to get the right filter settings. So I generally don't use any of this, but it has settings for CW, sideband, RIDI, AM, and FM. Uh, QTH profiles. Uh, QTH profiles are important if you do stuff that's not from your station and you need to log this special contact from a different area. So think like you're doing POTAs and you're going to be in a different state or a different county or different, you know, all different location where you're going to get a different certificate from Logbook of the World. This is important to have so you can actually tag those those contacts to a different QTH profile. And those will become important when you need to export that log and send it off to somewhere that's cares about where you actually started that call from. And uh, you can define them, you can modify them, you can add more, whatever you want to do there. Export is the next tab. Export just sets up what you want to have in the default export file. So this will be your in your ADIF. So uh, by default, it has some basic stuff that most most programs will take in and, and consume. Um, you can change you can change that and uh, add things like your logbook of the world confirmations, your EQSL confirmations, and everything else like that. So that will all be in there. DX cluster is where you're going to set up your DX cluster connections. And you can set up some specifics there, like showing spots for certain bands and not showing spots for other bands. You can do some pre-filtering here uh, just for your station, so you don't have to uh, go in and filter it later on in the DX cluster app, which you can. Fonts, <coughs> they have some the ability to change the fonts within the application, and uh, this could address any issues you have with spacing or sizing and stuff like that. If, you're, uh, if your UI does not play well with this, you can change everything or you can use the default settings. Uh, the next one is worked all zones, ITU zones. It's just how it's highlighted and colored and whether you want the information shown or not. IOTA is another tab, same thing. Memberships. This is where you'll track your clubs. So if you've been a member of club from, you know, someday to someday, whatever, you can actually pre-fill all this stuff in your log. And they have a drop-down list of lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of clubs. Clubs. So if you're part of like CW Ops or, you know, you know, Quarter Century Wireless Club, whatever, you can pop them all in there. Let's see. Band map. Yeah, band map. You can adjust the settings within the band map. So that's supported. X Planet is supported if you want to look at a map. And you can show stations from anywhere, from your DX cluster, from your band map, from WSJTX. Uh, you can do all kinds of projections. Um, yeah, I don't use it. <laughs> if you like looking at maps, you know, there are other applications that do that. So you don't necessarily have to use this, but it is available. Uh, zip code tracking is another option uh, in here for the setup. I don't use it at all, but if you wanted to do something with zip codes, you can do that. Uh, logbook and EQSL support. Uh, this is where you'll put in your username and password for those services. And if you have, uh, uh, I believe, let's see, is there anything specific in here that's important? Blah, 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 blah. I use all the default settings, except for obviously the username and password is mine. CW interface. This is where you actually uh, plug in your... Uh, how to get to your CW interface. So if you have a win key or USB or a K3 NG key or something like that, that's where you're going to find those settings. So you can do CW directly from the application itself. So right from CQR log, you can actually open up a window and just start typing and it'll start sending CW for you. Like many of the other interface apps like PyWinKey and stuff like that do. Okay, another setup interface here for FL Digi and WSJTX. 
And in my case, I'm using JTDX, which changes out the way same way. So and here's where you'll set up where your FL Digi is and how you want the log to handle interacting with that particular application. So you'll have the ability to use the frequency that FL Digi sends or that CQR log sends. Same thing. Same thing from WSJTX. And the mode, where do you want to take the mode from? Do you want to take it from CQR log or do you want to take it from FL Digi or WSJTX? You can have it do whichever one makes sense. I, of course, always select the remote application because when the remote application is in a weird mode that's not necessarily in the master list of modes that is inside of uh, the logging program, it's best just to say, just take whatever is on the other end. <laughs> because I think uh, CQR log thinks the radio is in data packet mode because that's the literal mode that the radio is in when it's connected to it. But uh, obviously, if you're in FT8 or FT4, you want that sub mode to be used as the mode for the contact. So that's all within the context of setting up that, that FL Digi and WSJTX interface. Uh, we're almost there, guys. Almost there. Almost there. <laughs> <laughs> the next tab is for exit and auto backup. So this is how it handles uh, when you exit the application. Uh, and I have mine set up to auto backup the, after every time I close out the program. So it'll write out uh, a tar zip of the log, the entire log. So should something not happy be happy right with the uh, with the MySQL or MariaDB log file, you should have a nice export of your your database directly in here. So by AD, ADIF. Now be mindful back on that control where we were setting up the export defaults. You know, if you wanted to export, if you wanted to keep track of other fields that you don't necessarily keep track of in other logging programs, this would be the time to ensure that you have all the options selected so you could rebuild your, uh, your CQR log uh, with that export completely. Um, there are ways to flag things as already sent uh, to like EQSL and Logbook of the World, so you don't have to worry about a dupe in that stuff if you didn't happen to copy or export those particular flags on each log. Ah, external viewers is the next tab. This is where you set up some default apps to look at certain things. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I never use it to do anything, so... <laughs> But uh, yeah, whether you want to use edit, you know, something other than gedit for text files and events for PDFs, I don't even think I have events on my system, <laughs> so I'm not sure uh, why it's even set up that way. But as those are the default apps and stuff like that, I think it's mainly for the uh, QSL card stuff. Um, I don't use that in the app. Callbook support. This is where you'll set up HamQTH or QRZ.com logging. Logging. You can use one or the other, not both, because uh, it pretty much will use either one. Uh, if you do QRZ, obviously you need to have, um, I think it's an XML subscription or above in order to uh, pull the log or pull the station information every time you uh, key in a call. Otherwise, uh, HamQTH, I believe you just need to log, have a login for it. <coughs> uh, RBN support. If you want to uh, have your logging program connect directly to the RBM, you can have it do that. So you can actually look at the reverse beacon network stuff and uh, you know you can have it look for uh, you can have it set up to look for certain call signs most people have it look for their own call signs to see how they're being received uh online log updated uploads is the next one so this is some of the other connected logging uh areas that you can send to automatically and uh, one of these is hamqth you can send your log to club log is another one hrdlog.net for your ham radio deluxe people and i believe those are the only three that they have set up there and then the last one is propagation uh information and it will pull from ham qsl the solar brief in order to you to see the the actual propagation information directly in the application and once you've set up all of that you hit the okay button and all your stuff magically works and you don't have any problems whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> now there's two really big main windows that that i pretty much use within um the application and that you would probably end up using as well should you be using it the main window that opens up is the qso window so like this is where you would start typing uh, qso's if you need to log something um but if you were to want to look up or see your log you would go to file and then go to your qso list brings up the qso viewer and this will be your whole log. So you can see and filter and look at any part of your log. You can go in and edit QSOs at this point. This is also where you can send um, send your uh, 
send your log up to uh, to uh, uh, Logbook of the World, EQSL. You can also do your downloads. So if you want to download confirmations, you would do it here. You can search for stuff on HamQTH, and that's probably what would open up your default browser. And you can also look at uh, your other online logs, your HamQTH, your club log, and everything else here. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Call book. So your call book connection, should you have... Should you have brought in a log from uh, another application or whatever, and it didn't automatically fill out like names and information from the call book, you can actually have it go back and update your database with the call book information. Uh, this is useful in some cases. Uh, I wouldn't carte blanche that across everything only because, you know, people are not always going to be at home when they're making these contacts. So if it differs from you're logged, you will get prompted for it, but you'll, you would have to know the context or the context of that. <laughs> so whether or not they were actually at home or in some other place. So I would be very careful in doing that to any historical, historical stuff. Uh, this year too, you can, inside this uh, log viewer here, you can also do your statistics. So here's where you can see your DXCC statistics. You can have it rebuild it should you have made some contacts and it hadn't run the statistics update in a while. Um, your worked all zones, your ITU, your IOTA, your worked all continents, <coughs> uh, worked all states, everything here. So if I just click on my worked all states, uh, I can see that, uh, yeah, based upon confirmations, yeah, the only one I have all 50 states on is seven, so uh, 40 meters, uh, but obviously mixed 40 all the way across. <clears throat> mixed, I have all the states. So and you can break this down by mode. You can break it down by which, which way you confirmed. Uh, by default, it has all modes and all QSL tape types. So it'll do paper QSLs should you be logging those in your logging application <laughs> or Logbook of the World or EQSL. Um, yeah, sort QSL. Let's see, you can do QSL management here. You can do export label for printing. So that's where you have that uh, being able to print those files. It also allows you the ability to use a SQL console directly in here, so an SQL console, and this would allow you to be able to go in and make any edits or search the log via SQL. So at this point, you probably want to know a little bit more about the structure of the data, and I would recommend learning that first before you ever go in <laughs> and do anything nefarious to your log via the SQL console, um, because that will, uh, that will definitely uh, cause you some troubles. From here, you can also do imports, exports. So when I'm logging with like not one mm and uh, I want to come back and bring a contest in here, I'll come in and do an import into this log, and then I can flag that you know which contest it was and stuff like that, and have that bring it into the log, and then I send it up to Logbook of the World from there. <clears throat> All right, so that's pretty much the the Logbook viewer, the QSO viewer or the show QSO list. So when we configured FL Digi and WSJTX, and uh, well, technically you also have the ability to remote mode for ADIF, which means that you could use, you could probably have CQR log connected to grid tracker. Reading this is that, yeah, you can do a remote mode for ADIF. So I'm assuming that means you could probably have grid tracker talk to this and push logs directly to CQR log without any effort whatsoever. So that might solve any kind of interopering with uh, using Grid Tracker as the main source of logging. But um, anyway, I'll come back to that. So the remote mode for FL Digi and uh, WSJTX. So what this does is when uh, you click the remote mode, it uh, will open a monitor for that application. So I'm going to say I'm doing FL Digi here, or not FL Digi, uh, WSJTX, because we'll actually see some co contracts or contacts here. So it'll open up a monitor. It'll then execute whatever application you set up. In my case, JTDX. Now, of course, you want to have JTDX set up the same way, you know, pointing to, you know, FL, your, your rig control D and your FL rig. So basically, if there's a contention issue, a locked content, contention issue with uh, something using that, CQR log does allow, does basically not use rig control at that time so that the external app can then use rig control since it's assuming that it's going to be populating all the information with it anyway. So when you have that set up, I have mine currently just running on 10 meters here. So not many traces left. The day is kind of waning. 
Um, but the CQR monitor basically has that extra extra layer where it looks at the calls coming through, basically what is being decoded, and it tells me the status of it within the log. So where you all know that if you're using WSGTX, unless you manage your log there, you don't really see those work befores and stuff like that. Um, so in my case, I don't really care what JTDX keeps for a log because I don't really use it. I wanted to use always CQR log as my authoritative source for the logging. So I always have the, the monitor window up just so if I'm actually hunting something, which I never do, if I'm actually hunting something, I can see whether or not I've actually have it in the log and it's confirmed or anything else like that. So tell me right away if it's a confirmed country and everything else. And you can do filtering on this as well. So you can actually peel back the noise from it. So you can say, I only want to see stuff that I haven't worked before. So basically you can kind of have that filtered, I guess what grid tracker would be called a call roster um, directly in the monitor that uh, CQR log provides. Um, beyond actually just using FL Digi the same way, I you know, really haven't messed with it too much because I don't do too much in FL Digi. In fact, I think we learned just last Last episode, I don't even have it installed on my machine currently. I just installed it the other day to see what version I would get. So I'm not going to be able to give you much information on that. Um, so yeah, doesn't really matter. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else we have? Uh, do you have long notes, ability to edit long notes in here under the main window? So you have the ability to send spots. So if you're connected to the DX cluster, you can go and send a spot from a, something you just worked uh, within your log program right here. So if in my new QSO window, so I'm in the main window where I did the remote to WSJTX, uh, you can go ahead and set up your spot sending. This is also where you'll access your CW messages. And uh, this also has an ability to reload the CW interface should the interface go down for any reason. Uh, same thing with the uh, the, ham the rig control. So should rig control feel like it's stuck or whatever, you can actually have it refresh it at that point and it'll reattempt to connect to it. Uh, you can instant you can do a tune as well. So that triggers your uh, radio to transmit. Um, and this is also where you access the preferences. And then let's see what else we got. The statistics are available here. The online log stuff is available here. Windows. So in the window drop down, this is where you'll find band map, contest, CW type, memory keys, your detailed info, your DX cluster, your gray lines. So you can click that and you bring up your pretty little map with the gray line on it. Um, your online uh, upload stats has a little log window to trace any uploads that you've been doing. So if you're doing live logging to club log and stuff like that, you would actually see the confirmations that those those actually made it up to the log um, as they're occurring. Um, <clears throat> propagation, you can pull the propagation information. You'll see it refresh and it'll grab that. You also have the ability to pull propagation information from looks like a German station as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, and let's see what else here. This is also where you'll be able to turn on the WSJTX monitor if you happen to turn that off. Uh, your grid map has that there. So if you want to see your grid locators, your worked grids and everything else, that has the uh, has a map for that. Also has the uh, X planet map that if you set that up, it would go ahead and execute that. Mine is not, so it's not there. And then if you wanted to access your uh, rig control, this is also where you can bring it up. And that's where you'll see those band buttons that we configured as well as uh, quick buttons to switch. And this is where you also switch which radio you're using directly here as well. So in a nutshell, <laughs> it's it has a lot of stuff going on. Uh, whether you use it or not, you know, that's, uh, that's up to you. Now, uh, if you've gotten this far and you're still thinking about it, Russ would like to expand a bit on his... Uh, <laughs> His experience being a cloud log user, which uh, I do appreciate cloud log. I do like it a lot. And I'm still thinking about possibly switching, but uh, I've been doing this setup for so long. It's it's really hard to switch. <laughs> but uh, Russ, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience today? Well, I'm not going to try and sell anybody on cloud log today, but uh, I did have a couple of things I guess I wanted to point out about the CQR log thing. Uh, generally speaking, when I set up a logger, I want to do things in a way that they are capable of doing, but generally nobody thinks about doing. So in my case, I wanted to have a remote database instead of the one that CQR log sets up for itself, which is a localized MySQL, well, slash MariaDB instance running on port 64,000. I just wanted to connect my database to a database 
server that already existed, which I was eventually able to do after tweaking the permissions on the database server a little bit. CQR log wants to handle all the database manipulations and all the SQL queries. So you kind of have to give it broad control, which I don't like doing. But I mean, if you have a pretty secure password and a reasonable, um, you know, you could, you know, if you can lock it down by IP, that's fine. Otherwise, have a really, really uh, difficult to guess password. <laughs> um, but you can make it work with an existing MariaDB instance, which I was able to do, you know, eventually. Uh, I'm on a, you know, not slow, but not super fast um, DSL connection here. And it seemed like database interaction was extremely sluggish across my connection, slower than I would have thought it would be uh, when it was updating things like DXE entity, DXCC entities and uh, QSL bureau managers and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, it did work. Um, I thought the, the user interface was a little bit clunky. I am going to... I am going to work with updating fonts and things like that to see if I can get it to look good. I'm I'm actually using it right now across a an X connection uh, via SSH uh, with X quartz as the front end on my Mac, and <clears throat> I have to tell you, looking at it this way, it looks a lot better than it does natively. <laughs> um, X quartz seems to be rendering the UI a lot better. Um, I did. I, w I did have a question about how to switch the rigs, but now I see that you actually have to bring up the TRX control window to do that. So that's that's pretty straightforward. Everything looks pretty good. I, I still find the UI a little bit like Microsoft Access when it comes to updating database fields and stuff like that. Which um, you know, if you know anything about that, you'll know how Web 1.0 slash you know early 2000s we're talking. <laughs> um, but I mean. I can see how someone could get used to used to the way this works and and enjoy it um, if they spend enough time with it. I, I'm going to try and use it with that remote ADIF thing and see if that works. Like if I can just keep this as another repository for my QSL data, I'm going to go ahead and do that. You you mentioned like right up at the top about dark mode, but how the heck does dark mode work? Is there a toggle? Because it's not in dark mode, but my computer is. Oh, that's interesting because mine, I didn't have to do anything with mine. <laughs> so you can see my, I just, I just propped my, uh, my display into the chat just so everybody can see what it looks like. Yeah. See, I really wish mine would look like that because I'd be a lot happier with it like immediately if it was in dark mode. <laughs> um, but that's, that's a small thing. I'm sure I can, I can figure out how to tweak it to get it to work. Um, Configuration, pretty straightforward. You went through all of the different options in the, in the menu. So um, there was there's a thing about like having QTH profiles, which you didn't really go into. You don't have to have them, but if you're using, if you're doing multiple locations, multiple different setups, different rigs, stuff like that, you can create station profiles to uh, to accommodate those in your logs. Um, overall, it's I mean, aside from the fact that it just it looks old, even though it isn't. Uh, just kind of put off. Like I said, just just turning, being able to see it in dark mode would would kind of bring that forward a decade, <laughs> and uh, it would it would be it would make me happier for sure. Um, but configuration wise, seemed pretty good. Um, again, I I kind of went a different route, but I wouldn't mind using this as a secondary place to back up. I mean, I back up to all the online resources as well, like Logbook of the World and EQSL and Club Log and all that. Uh, but having a database with another with another copy of my information would be nice. And since it is in MariaDB slash MySQL and having the ability to run SQL queries on it, like independent of applications, might be nice. So uh, overall, I don't, I don't strictly hate it. I know I said earlier today that I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's that's a classic overreaction, you know. And uh, so, so I like it. And now that I'm seeing it on this X-Quartz window where actually all of the fields sort of line up and everything looks nice without the dark, the benefit of dark mode, um, I definitely don't mind it nearly so much. I, the, you know, having to open up the QSL window to delete a, a QSL is kind of a pain. I would like to be able to do a search in the query window and be able to delete from there instead of just an edit, which doesn't give you the option to delete. I, I find no. that. Yeah. That's uh, a niggle, I guess, picking nits. <laughs> but uh, 
And one thing they definitely need to start including is, is POTA. POTA is so popular now, they, they need to put it in. So they need to keep a database of uh, POTAs and uh, be able to cross-reference and, and log that information in the database like they do with IOTA. Uh, but overall, yeah, not so bad. Um, now, now that I've actually like got my hands into it and started playing around with it and not just had my sort of icky first impression of like, oh, this looks <laughs> like it was you know put out in 1998 kind of thing um i, I kind of dig it so i guess we'll yeah, see it's, it's kind of grown on me over the years you know <laughs> i've always wanted to change it to something that you know a looks a little bit more modern too but i've always run into those those issues right using something a little different and uh i just haven't settled on anything that i can stand to use <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, as as I showed you before in my little online demo via Discord, I showed you some of the high points of of what I like about CloudLog. Now, for people who who don't like CloudLog, they may be it may be one of those things like Linux, where you're remembering when you had to compile everything, and Linux is hard, and blah 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 blah, and doesn't have any features, and I don't want to use this piece of junk. Um, CloudLog has come a long, long way. It's run many marathons in the past couple of years, and it's. It's really usable. It's really functional. It's really integratable, and it's sexy. It looks good. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to use that as my primary logger. That's where I'm gonna keep my authoritative records. Um, but as I was saying before, you know, you got to keep backups of this stuff. The online resources are great, um, but it's always good to have another copy somewhere because you know you don't want to lose your log data. You want to have all those QSOs for when you contacted that faraway DXCC entity that you forgot about 12 years ago. You know, you don't want to lose that. So, but yeah, I, I can, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like vote for CQR log, but I might, I might in the primaries. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it has a lot of bells and whistles that aren't very fancy looking. That's for sure. <clears throat> it, it definitely, you know, it, it solves everything that I need to solve with my particular logging setup. So I've been really happy with it over the years and beyond the, the few times that, uh, you know, changing between distros and having random issues with, uh, the log file, not being transportable because of versions of Maria DB and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that part is a pain in the butt. And I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't recommend those transitions to be very, uh, um, representative of most people's experience because most people don't distro hop like a crazy man like i do so um <laughs> but <laughs> considering i'm still using it after all those times you know it does say something for that but yeah if i had something like you know like cloud log or whatever that was on a separate box that was just isolated and blah blah, blah you know that, that might be something to uh think about too but uh yeah i'm not quite i'm not quite ready to do that and then also have to worry about connecting my rig to that remotely and not, you know, whatever. <laughs> it just seems, <laughs> seems weird, but I guess, you know, progressive web apps running locally too are basically the same thing. So <clears throat> they are apps nonetheless. That's true. The front end is just served by a web server instead of having the UI built in. But yeah, I mean, there's a use case for, for each thing for sure. And, um, I, I, again, um, I won't say you've, you've like turned me on to CQR log at this point, but I will, I will take back my initial hate and say it looks promising. Yeah. Yeah. And they do have like, so like the one thing I used to complain about a lot is the, uh, <clears throat> is the fact that it doesn't do contest logging. Um, but they, they kind of built a contest logging window, um, which suffices for some contests and you can use it that way i i care not to so i've used it i think for one contest this way uh and then that made me decide that i'll never do it again <laughs> so, i really like i'm a creature of habit i like using a, a contest logging specific program for doing contest logging <clears throat> so right now that that particular program is not one mm and uh, that's been running great and you know having having the ability to do that then i just bring it into this um if i do anything remote <clears throat> i i log it in whatever remote application i'm doing it in uh which in most cases is still dot one mm because it's i'm doing a contest remotely uh and then i just import the log here so you know this is my log that sits 
basically underneath WSJTX and any local contacts I make here that are not contest related. <clears throat> and then once the contest is over, it will then have all the contest records in here as well. So I always have all the logs in one place. Um, so that's that's kind of what I, I use it for. And that's kind of my workflow for, for logging in general. And it's been that way for, for many, many years. So even the years that I was using Windows and DX Keeper and stuff like that, I was still using an external logger for contesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then bringing those logs in to that application. And uh, yeah, so I've kept the same same practice all these years. Yep, absolutely. And I can certainly understand doing that. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to working with CQR log a little more, uh, figuring out how to turn on dark mode, uh, getting my data into it, which I've already done that. I've, been, I've imported my log out of cloud log just to see what it looks like and uh, <clears throat> see see what it can do for me going forward but if if somebody's looking for a logger it's definitely full featured and once you get past the initial sort of database sec- setup hook uh hiccups um you know if you do it the way it wants to do it it's it's pretty seamless if you if you want to do a use case that's not quite the default like me um you may run into some trouble um but once you get that sorted uh it's pretty responsive it works well and i can see why it's popular so I think that's all I have to say about it. I guess I'll go ahead and close the window now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and the dark mode setting. I'm pretty sure that's just it's picking up an environment variable that you probably don't have Not set. Setting. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> that just happens to be set automatically in in GNOME and <clears throat> my particular instance. So shouldn't shouldn't require too much digging around to figure out what the problem is so yeah i'm sure it's just it's got to be an environment variable so uh we'll just wait for the chat room to catch up if there's any questions this would be a great time to uh to plop those in there see uh tom is typing so i'll let him go says uh looks pretty slick i'll have to put that on my dedicated ubuntu laptop for field use yeah you can certainly do worse yes yes i've tried worse (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, we've all tried worse I, I, yeah yeah anyway so i think that's a probably a good spot to uh, wrap this one up uh i mean we we have been talking about cqr log forever just because i i use it all the time and and i generally inject it into logging conversations so we've mentioned it in the past but like like we said uh, we hadn't done a, a like a full show specifically on cqr log and kind of all the capabilities and setup and stuff like that and I hope we were able to cover it in a way that makes some sense, considering it's not a visual context that you get through a podcast. So, <laughs> And I will say that I was able to do everything in CQR log, including connecting the database, get it up and working, import my data, be able to view subsequent Windows propagation data, DX clustering, all that kind of stuff. I was able to do all of that without reading a single word of the manual. So I think that speaks well of how it's put together. Yeah, it's definitely uh, that kind of user-friendly. There's there's enough of indications of how things would work as long as you've used you know a computer before <laughs> you would be able to figure it out without much effort you know uh it's it's pretty obvious where he's like oh okay uh, i guess i should go into preferences <laughs> and see what i need to set up um it doesn't uh, necessarily force you to uh, to go through and do stuff so like that's the one thing it doesn't have is the ability to walk you through what you should have to set up um but there's a there's enough information within the context of the application, and they do have an excellent uh, uh, help site that has all of the information on it, and is generally kept up to date. Uh, I think the version that the documentation is set up for is two five zero, and the current release version is two five two, and I think those are just bug fixes, anyways. Or anyway, um, let's see, two five what version? Yeah, two five two. I was using two five two and that was in the Bodhi repo. So Yep, two five two is the most recent in the repos. So All right. Well, I think that brings us down to the end of our topic for the evening. So we'll go ahead and get to the announcements and feedback. And of course the only one we have is our Hamvention GoFundMe, which is at https colon stroke stroke LHS dot FYI stroke hotel victor twenty twenty four. We're almost halfway there. So that's good. And uh, we appreciate everybody who's able to donate. And if you can't donate, please share. And if you can donate, please share. We appreciate it. And every little bit helps. $2, $5, whatever you have, 
Uh, please uh, donate if you can, share if you can't, and uh, hopefully we'll, well, I say hopefully, you know, it's going to happen. We'll make it happen one way or the other, but <laughs> it's always nice when we have the booth covered. So we really appreciate everybody helping out with donations, and I sincerely hope this is the last time we ever have to do this. If, uh, if our subscriber base keeps going up, you know, slow and steady like it has been, and uh, we're able to, to put that money away, then then these GoFundMes to get to Hamvention will be a thing of the past. So help us make this the last one. That's all I have to say about that. And since Cheryl is here, that or not here, she's, she's not here. Well, she's here in spirit, I suppose, but she's not here. So I'll have to run down through the subscriber supporters and live participants list. And in that vein, we had for Facebook, Tony Crossetto. On YouTube, we had Victor Hugo. On Instagram, we had 5SD107 underscore YV9PD, which sounds like just a bunch of letters, but I think that YV9PD is suspiciously like a call sign. So uh, we also had PY1Z Bravo. On Mastodon, we had Alex Pareja, JR, VE7WYC, that's Whiskey Yankee, Charlie, and uh, 2 Echo Zero Delta Kilo Kilo. Uh, no merch sales on the mailing list. We had rocking the tree. I don't know if that's rocking the tree, like rocking around the <laughs> rocking around the clock or there's a rock in the tree. No indication either way. So, and then finally we had our live show chatters tonight and we had a pretty good crowd. We had Jill K one T T Z Tony K four X S S Ted W A zero E I R John K one B T Z Joel K C zero Y E W Winston K D two W L L Danilo Than 69, which I think he has a call sign. I have to ask him about that before too long. Chuck, do you have a call sign? Are you still here? He's not still here. <laughs> of course not. Uh, we'll figure that out. And then we have Paul, K-E-5-W-M-A, and Tom, and for hi, which uh, is H-A-I. So there you go. <laughs> and uh, all right, that brings us down to the end of the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We're glad you were here with us for this deep dive. Check us out next week when we'll have a short topics episode. And we hope you have a great week in between. And in the meantime, we'll let you get back to whatever it is you were doing before you started listening to this. So for the absent, Cheryl, W5MOO, this has been episode number 534 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.